You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. The magic underwear is not working, and that's not our fault. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We're like a 1-800 number almost. Welcome into the Godfather and Gorney podcast. We've been away for a couple of weeks uh, because we've been traveling to fun destinations like Orlando, Florida, where I was snowed in. There wasn't snow in Orlando, but I was snowed in and couldn't get back home till yesterday. And Adam Gorney was in San Antonio for the 150th time in his career. Uh, how was San Antonio? Was it awesome? You know, I've grown to love that city. I've found really good food spots now, so I just hit up the same spots every year. One week a year in uh, in the Alamo City or whatever they call it there. But this year, Mike, <clears throat> it was 20 degrees on Monday and Tuesday. Luckily, they moved practices indoors. I hope they continue that. If the people that run the Army Bowl are listening to this podcast, which no doubt that they are, yeah. uh, if they could move practice inside the Alamo Dome all week long every year, that would be the best thing ever because it was just really nice to have 60 degrees and no wind and not hearing those planes overhead at the the West practice facility. So I support the 20 degree weather for the first time in my life. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with my headphones, but they keep uh, kicking in and out here. So I hear you in one ear and then sometimes in two ears. And it's very scary to hear about San Antonio that way. Um, Did you go to Denny's? Did not go to Denny's. And for people that don't know this story about five years ago, it was the saddest new year's of my life. Mike, Mike, me, Dave Barry, our, our video guy, and Greg Ladke, our other video guy, sat in Denny's at midnight and rang in the new year all alone, and it was pretty sad. Did not go to Denny's this year, <clears throat> uh, th- thank God. It was only sad for uh, you. We hit up Boudreaux's, great, great food. I had a smoked shrimp sandwich there. The, the Steel City Pops, that's the new place. It's, a, it's, like a, uh, it's like an ice cream pop that's dipped in chocolate. My wife found it. And we hit it up about four or five times, I'm I'm glad to say. So uh, there could be worse places for that game to be played. I like San Antonio because they have direct flights right back to L.A. Well, you're lazy. But uh, Orlando, Orlando was, it was fine on Sunday for the first day of outdoor practice. Then Monday, it was about, I don't know, maybe 38 degrees, 40 yeah, degrees. Yeah, it got cold, I saw, yeah. Freezing outdoors and then tuesday was the worst well it wasn't the worst day uh tuesday was uh i think it was just windy monday it rained too so it was a cold rain 38 degrees it was not like florida at all tuesday was windy and cold wind chill was probably in the 36 range wednesday luckily we were inside for registration to the future 50 because it was uh sideways rain all the storm that that hit up in the northeast, as the bomb cyclone or whatever, was down in Florida at that particular time, and it was about forty mile an hour winds. Uh, wind chill factor was uh, by about thirty degrees. It was horrible. It was miserable. Yeah. Uh, the weather was as bad as it's ever been down there. But the practices were good. The game was good. I was watching San Antonio as best I could. Uh, I've watched the under. I, I mean, the Army Bowl. Three times now, that's what a big loser I am. And, uh, you know, came away with a few impressions. Obviously, your quarterback, JT Daniels, who reclassified, you know, certainly looks good. Um, good, Mike. Good. Come on. Good. I mean, he had, he had, the, he had the pick. 
you know, he had the interception. When the ball, yeah, that was a bad throw. The ball hung a little bit there. Um, Phil, Phil Jerk, horrible, horrible. I mean, looked really like he didn't know what was going on half the time quarterback-wise. Matt Corral looked solid. Uh, not great, but solid. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had the two picks, but he looked amazing. I mean, this is what the funny thing about it. The people hating on Trevor Lawrence because he, he fumbled once, uh, fumbled twice. He put the ball on the ground twice, yep. and he you know got intercepted twice. And I'm the biggest critic of Sam Darnold that there is, that he turns the ball over and puts the ball on the ground too much. So defending Trevor Lawrence's you know appearance seems kind of funny. But when you're talking about a high school kid and you're talking about the skill set that he has, um, it's a bit ridiculous. He went, he had finished with 11 of 17 completions, the two picks, you know, one lost fumble. But I just have never seen anybody at the high school level that big, that mobile, uh, who can throw the ball with such ease. And it's just an absolute rocket. So I imagine he was impressive in practice. Uh, what did you think of the game? Were you surprised at, at his performance? Yeah, that throw, I think really what epitomizes his entire game is that throw, the touchdown pass into the corner of the end zone where he escaped pressure, kind of was throwing against his body and zinged it right in there, right on the money for that touchdown pass. That's what we had seen all week. He was, his deep ball is, is so perfect almost every single time. It, it he was really very, very good in practice all week. And, you know, as you kind of look at the rankings and all that kind of stuff, you really have to nitpick for him not to be number one. I couldn't imagine someone who would be number one over him. Uh, the two picks, even he kind of smiled after that second pick, knowing that it was just kind of not what he does on the football field well, ever. It was, it was miscommunication as well. I mean, you know, yeah. they're, they're there for a week, and it was clear he thought the receiver was going to be someplace he wasn't. And, uh, you know, I think that's why he was smiling too. He wasn't. They were just not on the same page. It could have been his fault, uh, certainly. But you know, I, he, he he didn't have a fit. He he struggled. I mean, the, the way the telecast was, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. Uh, and then he starts making these these mistakes. You could see a kid melting down if that happened. <clears throat> he didn't seem to do that, and he got stronger as the game wore on. Yeah, he was great all week in practice. Um, he and JT Daniels. They were both very, very good all week in practice. Um, JT Daniels, again, as a kid who reclassified from 2019, will be at USC in the summer competing for the starting job with Jack Sears and Matt Fink. And I, it would be hard for me to believe that Jack Sears or Matt Fink are, is going to beat him out for that job. Uh, he, he's very accurate all over the field, very smart, a competitive kid. Uh, he does lock on to Amon Ross St. Brown all the time and just kind of throw to him just because he's comfortable with that. And that's where the pick came from in the game. Uh, he kind of found some pressure and then just kind of tossed it up to Amon Ra, who usually makes that catch. It was on the wrong side of his body. Uh, but both of those guys were very solid all week. And I do have to give credit to Matt Corral. He is a kid who I'd seen a bunch, you know, over the years, obviously. And the concern had always been, uh, you know, he's a very talented kid on the field uh, that he tries to fit the ball in to really tight windows for no reason. And he didn't do that this week at Army. Uh, he was making much better decisions. I credit him for that. Yeah, Phil Jerkovic, or however you pronounce his last name, uh, was okay in practice, solid throughout the week, but really struggled in the game. Just didn't look like he belonged there, didn't look comfortable at all. And, uh, you know, the other two quarterbacks, Jaron Williams, 
solid week. The first day we were so nitpicking on on how to rank the quarterbacks because all of them had such a good first day. He had thrown some balls high that weren't right in the numbers, and that put him sixth on the list. That's how good the quarterbacks were at Army. Tanner McKee, a little bit of an elongated release. It takes a little bit to get there, but he's 6'6". He's very athletic for being 6'6", and he could throw it all over the place. He's a kid who won't play college football for two more years because he's going on a Mormon mission. Um, but all six were very, very good during the week. But Trevor Lawrence and JT Daniels were just, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. I had the opposite problem. The first day of practice at Under Armour, yeah. the quarterbacks just absolutely sucked. They were awful. There were only two that were solid. And Adrian Martinez, the Nebraska commitment, was solid on day one. And Joey Gatewood was solid. But Joey Gatewood's thing is, and he didn't do this in the game. He had a very good game. His thing is, you know, first read and then tuck and run. Um, and that's what he was doing in practice on the first day. Martinez doesn't have a cannon of an arm. I mean, arm strength is a little bit of a question mark with him, but he was he was accurate, mobile. Um, he didn't look over his head. The surprise was how bad Emory Jones looked throughout the week, and I'll get to that in a second. Dorian Thompson-Robinson looked horrible the first day. Everything was skipping in the dirt. Jacob Sermon has that big, strong arm, but has no touch whatsoever still. Um, no control. Yeah, yeah. So he was just slinging the ball at, at kids helmets. And then Jack West was just awful. Um, just, just not good. So then, you know, as the wind progressed and the rain progressed, they, they actually, believe it or not, got a little bit better. Thompson Robinson came into his own the third day of practice, had a pretty good game, seven to 15, 118 yards, nice touchdown pass. Um, Gatewood was eight of 16 for 79 yards, had a nice touchdown pass as well and ran for a touchdown. West was bad, you know, 4 of 15, not very good. Martinez was was not great. His first series was a 3 and out. He was 3 of 8 for 28 yards. I still like him, though. I still think he's a stock-up kid because uh, from day one to the game itself, he was the most consistent quarterback. Emory Jones threw the ball three times. They they downgraded the game plan for him, and, and I've never yeah. really seen that. Um, and we've had some pretty bad quarterbacks. I remember you remember Fink was there, uh, who looked awful at Under Armour one year, uh, but still got his number of throws in there with two quarterbacks on the team because Sermon missed the game. Thompson Robinson threw 15 times. Emory Jones threw three times, and yeah. and that was on purpose. That's how bad he was. And there was talk also that he was not great off the field. He was late for meetings. He wasn't paying attention. And this is not the Emory Jones that we know, um, you know, throughout the whole process. Been the nicest kid, very focused, handles everything with grace. He didn't make the Elite 11, I don't believe, um, and, and didn't really complain about that or whine about that. Um, but he had a really, really bad week. And this is coming off Florida landing him over Florida State and, and, and uh, uh, some other schools that were in the mix there. Alabama was in the mix, of course. He was a Ohio State commitment. And me saying that he was the most important signee of the early signing period because Florida needs a quarterback of the future so badly, uh, I'm worried. Uh, based on what I saw, if this kid's regressing or not. And we've seen it before through the years. I mean, Willie Korn, if you're a recruiting nerd and you remember the, Will, the name Willie Korn, uh, then kudos to you. But we've seen guys who have just gotten worse as they progressed and headed off to college. And he's heading off to college with as little confidence as possible. So game was ugly. You saw the game. 
Yeah, you wonder if Dan Mullen could get his arms around that, though. I mean, he's done it before. He's a, a obviously a very good quarterback coach, and we'll see if he can. But Emory Jones did not look good. I Obviously, the reports throughout the entire week weren't positive, and in the game, definitely weren't positive. And like you said, he threw three times, and that's not a coincidence. I think they pretty much limited his throwing uh, because they knew it was not going to be good, but yeah, I saw the game and you know, these all-star games are always tough. I mean, should we put so much stock in the game? Are practices more important? Does Maurice Washington setting records mean a whole lot? Or, you know, did he just have some nice runs and some luck, you know, some luck thrown in there? Uh, you know, Deion Sanders running onto the field and all that kind of stuff. The games have kind of, you know, I don't want to be this guy and the kids are having fun. Um, but the games have kind of come become a show instead of a competition. I'm worried that they're becoming the NBA all-star game. These kids have done so much throughout their high school careers now with camps and seven on sevens and games and everything else. I think they're just happy to play one more time with their buddies and to put too much stock in an evaluation, especially in the game. For some reason, they're much more competitive in practices, it seems. Uh, they're competitive for about the first quarter in the game, and then they kind of settle in and they do their announcements and there's cameras everywhere and people are putting stuff on Instagram and Twitter and they're holding up hats and everything else. Uh, it's just not a great evaluation standpoint. But yeah, I saw the game and and I was following all week and, you know, Brevin Jordan is a guy that, you know, is pushing for number one tight end in the country now, I guess. And, uh, you know, like we've talked about, you know, not on this podcast, if he wasn't six foot six one, I don't think there'd be any question about that. But uh, yeah, I saw the game and kind of saw what you saw, you know, throughout. I'd have to watch it three more times, but I was on a plane from San Antonio with a lady who couldn't fit her overhead bag into the compartment and then complained that it had to be checked. I think she wanted to be like Gaylord Fokker and just hold it the whole time. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I have to, uh, I have to, I have to, I have to review the tape a, a few more times until I can give my, my well, you're right. I mean, it's a tough evaluation tool because, you know, fans are fans. So if you're a fan of Aiden Hutchinson, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, then you're going to say that's a five-star kid, you know, because he was great in the game. He had a tremendous game. I don't know how he didn't practice. I saw he got in a little dust up with Sawyer, but you know, I think that's a kid who can move up based on his game performance, but how much do you move him up? Maurice Washington is a different story. You know, he's a kid who was there because of his connection to Dion. Uh, he got a lot of touches, and he did the most of, of what he should do with those touches. I mean, he had two touchdown runs, he had a long return, and he had a touchdown catch. Um, did he get more touches than the other running backs? Yes. Was, was that on purpose? Yes. Um, but he made the most of it. Now, in practice, he was completely invisible a kid that didn't stand out at all and, and actually had some of us wondering what, what's he doing here? You know, it didn't have the same burst as a, a Brian Snead or the same power as a Keontae Ingram, or certainly the same flat out, you know, ability and speed as a Ricky Slade. But, uh, but then the game comes around, he sets records, um, you know, most touchdowns in an Under Armour game. And then everybody wants him to be a four or five star Tennessee comes rolling in. Nebraska comes rolling in. Everybody's starting to offer the kid now. What do you do with him? You know, I still think he's a three-star talent. Uh, is he on the cusp of being a great football player? Did we just see his coming out party and now he's going to be amazing? Could be. But, 
it's a tough thing because the week of practice, everybody says practice is practice. It's, you know, you're in pads, but there's no tackling to the ground. There's no hitting. It's just like the seven on seven. There's It's underwear camps. How can you rate kids based on that? Uh, you get a lot more of a feel for a kid in practice day after day after day than you do in the game itself. So the guys that stood out to me though in the Army Bowl were Hutchinson, um, you know, yeah. Amon Ra, of course. I don't like the spinning of the ball and the kicking it every time. What's no. with that? I mean, stop. Just cut it out. And Matthew Hill did the same thing in the Armour game. He kicked the ball into the stands, and he did it twice. He, he did it twice. First time the coach came over, yelled at him, and then he did it again, and they called a penalty. Did he? I don't even think they called penalties. Did they call penalties on those ones at the Army Bowl? No, I don't think so. I think they let him do it. it was and, the soldiers, and, right? Yeah, it, you know, they were kicking the ball. Yeah, it was to the soldiers. In terms of Hutchinson, he was very good all week in practice. He is a tough, hard-nosed kid coming off the edge. He's not incredibly athletic, um, but but he was productive, that's for sure, coming off the edge. The thing that really stood out to me, and I think it's going to be a very heated discussion when we have our final rankings meetings, is that the, the top of the Texas rankings could be completely jumbled. Um, Anthony Cook was very bad. Uh, I don't think there's any way to, to go around it. He was being picked on uh, in practice, and you usually don't pick on five-star cornerbacks. And if you do, they answer. Uh, they answer back, but um, not incredibly fast. Can't really turn and run with the elite receivers, and he was being beaten over and over again. Um, you know, And then you go down the list. B.J. Foster, I think, kind of had an up-and-down week at Under Armour. Sometimes he was really good. Sometimes he was invisible. Uh, Jalen Green was solid, not spectacular, but 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 better than Cook. And the guy that really stood out so much was Jalen Waddle. I mean, this kid, if Mark Pope's a five-star, if uh, Darian Kendrick is in that five-star discussion, Waddle was better than both of them and consistently better. It's not like he just had one good day or a lucky catch in, a, in the game. He was beating everybody, phenomenal speed, phenomenal hands. So, you know, if, if we're talking about potential five-stars, he's going to be in the discussion. Uh, he's sixth in the Texas rankings right now. Um, you know, he could be in that one, two, three range easily because that group was really, I don't want to say exposed in, in San Antonio, cause that has a bad connotation. Uh, but you really saw who stood out and who really, uh, didn't, uh, there were some guys that just, that didn't. And, um, and Waddle was, was phenomenal. I think the other area we're going to have a very interesting discussion is a defensive end. Um, you know, because some of these guys, uh, that are super talented at the position itself, that are highly ranked. Xavier Thomas, you know, obviously, Micah Parsons, obviously. Both of them, from what I understand, had good weeks, and they're super talented guys. Um, closer to their ceiling, I think, than guys like Ayabi Anoma, who was so fast during the week and is so raw, but he had two sacks in the Under Armour game, and you could see – he closes faster than anybody, faster than Parsons, faster than than Thomas, faster than anybody at defensive end. But he's he's thinner. He's still got a lot of filling out to do. But just a freak athlete. Brenton Cox had an average week of practice. Doesn't put in a lot of effort into practice. That's his mo. Uh, even his coaches have, have said such you know that he doesn't really. You know, coaches at Under Armour said he doesn't really put in a ton of effort here and there. And then he gets in the game, and when the lights go on, he has three sacks. And it wasn't going against poor offensive tackles. He was going against Richard Garage and, and uh, Nick Petit-Frere. And we're talking about talented kids that he was beating. So 
it'll be interesting to see because I know we got Thomas and Parsons way up at the top. What do we do with these two guys? I don't think Cox is the athlete that those other two are, and I think Enoma is more athletic than than both of them, but yet is a bit more raw. But I think we're going to see a lot of defensive ends near the top. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting discussion because I think Parsons is going to start out at inside linebacker at Penn State. Do we even move him off of the defensive end rankings? Um, Adam Anderson is a kid who looks like a trillion dollars. I mean, the kid looks absolutely phenomenal. He's all of 6'6", all of 225, but not was not very productive throughout the entire week. I don't know if he's an outside linebacker. I don't know if he's a D-end. He'll probably play that hybrid position, I'm sure. Um but a kid, you know, if we were talking about Yabi Anoma, who was very productive, but still very raw, KJ Henry, yep, who had a good week, um, you, um, you, you know, there's going to be a lot of flipping and moving within that position group among guys who are very elite players. You know, it's not like some guy was just a complete bust and looked terrible and didn't do anything. Um, there's going to be a lot of interesting discussions about where those guys go. Um, you might see a guy fall a little bit just because someone was just so spectacular. Three you know, as we look at our rankings and NFL projection and all that kind of stuff, three years from now, uh, you know, Ayabi Anoma, do you think he's going to be the fourth week, week side defensive end taken off the board? That's hard to believe. He could be the number one guy. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. It's it's a, it's really, it has become a, you know, a loaded position in this class. Absolutely. Loaded. Xavier Thomas is so mean and so like, tough and strong and like everything you want out of a strong side defensive end. Um, you know, I would be shocked if he doesn't go to Clemson and, and do really, really well there um, just because he, he just dominates everybody when he wants to. Um, it's going to be interesting to see Parsons missed one day of practice. I don't know why he came back the second day and did really, really well. Kind of gave Phil Jerkovic um, kind of a cheap shot. I would, I would say yeah, he came off the it. edge. Everybody yep. knows you don't, slam quarterbacks to the ground during practice and he just lit him up um was not really a, a smart move um for Parsons but but he was very good too incredibly athletic kid um and so you know Anderson is the one who looks maybe the best out of them all he looks so good um but but wasn't really as as productive as those other guys in San Antonio And this is the other part about it too is maturity you know we don't know how they're going to mature right now we know certain guys that are very mature for their age. Uh, we know Xavier Thomas has got a tremendous work ethic and isn't going to give anybody any problems uh, at, as of right now, as we're heading into our final rankings. K.J. Henry, uh, everybody raves about his character and, and what a great kid he is. Uh, some of the other guys like Parsons and Enoma, there's been talks of immaturity. Um, but what do you do with that? You know, I mean, you could have a guy that grows up when he gets to college and turns into, you know, uh, a, a first round draft pick. Um, you could get a guy like Kim Dietschy who had some off field, you know, question marks or certainly a Reuben Foster who had a lot of off field question marks or Carl Lawson. And these guys go on to have solid careers and Reuben Foster ended up being a first rounder and looks like he's going to be a good NFL football player. And Kevdici was a first rounder and looks like he's going to be a complete bust. And it all comes down yeah. to work ethic and attitude. And, you know, that's the tough part about our job is we have no idea when they go off to college, how they're going to handle, you know, being criticized, being benched, being told you're not the greatest thing 
ever. Uh, we do talk to people behind the scenes at each All-Star game. That's why the All-Star game is so invaluable, because the people that are with these guys 24 hours a day for seven straight days, they'll tell you straight up, this kid's a knucklehead. This kid did this. This kid did that. This kid won't do this. This kid is an attitude. He's rude to everybody, blah, blah, blah. But we rank based on talent. And that's kind of how it comes down to it. So, you know, the safer bets at defensive end, I think you could say safer to, to go with the Xavier Thomas, K.J. Henry type. But the guys that you look at that are so freaky athletic, like Parsons and Anoma, could, could end up being the, the better players in the higher draft picks. So, but again, Noah Spence was a great kid out of high school. No question, no character issues, nothing. Goes off to Ohio State, ends up, I think, if I remember correctly, getting involved with drugs, uh, booted out, ends up at Eastern Kentucky or something like that, and drops in the draft. I don't know if he's still in the NFL. I don't follow the NFL close enough to know. I know he was drafted uh, you know, in the, in, in the second or third round or something like that. You just have no idea. Um, yeah, and, and I got into some Twitter arguments this weekend because everyone's calling him on Ross St. Brown a punk for what he did, and he's a head case and all these kind of things. And, you know, it, it did kind of come off like that. You know, you'd score a touchdown, you'd throw your helmet off, you run down the field, you spin the ball, you kick it into the stands, you look like a jerk. I mean, that's just not a, a really good move, uh, especially on national television. But if you know the kid, he's a phenomenal, a prof- as professional of a kid that I've ever been around on the high school level, incredibly mature, comes from a very good family, two older brothers at Notre Dame and Stanford. The father is a, a good guy. You know, the mother is very strict and no nonsense and all those kind of things. You just never know. It's a, That's the part of our job that's incredible. That's almost impossible yeah. to know. And that's why you got to go based on who, talent. Because Deshaun Jackson was, you know, he did the flip. Remember in the game a hundred years ago, he did the flip where he didn't yeah. score the touchdown because he was flipping to <laughs> celebrate. And he did it in the NFL as well on Monday Night Football. And he was a bit of a punk, you know, didn't have a lot of direction. Yeah. But he's had what, like a 12-year NFL career? Uh, he's been an all-pro. Yeah, I mean, you just can't tell. Um, I, I don't like to see – I mean, because – St. Brown did it after he caught a pass. He caught that underthrown pass from Tanner McKee, and he spun it right, and kicked and he spun it. it. And then he decides, you know, he scores a touchdown, and I'm going to spin it, spin it, and kick it, and take my helmet off and look like a fool and all that. But you can't really hold that against a kid. Otherwise, Deshaun Jackson would have lost his fifth star. And when we look back at Deshaun Jackson being a five star, we're pretty proud of that ranking because he lived up to it. So I think these games have gotten out of control a bit with just the way these kids are treated. And again, it's part of our industry that does this as well. They're given fifth stars before they even start a, a game of their junior football season. Not by us. Yeah. We don't We do not do yep. five stars before they start their junior football year. Uh, but we will. You know, I mean, it's speeding up so fast. It will, we'll end up doing that. Um, but they're given, you know, I, I saw it at the Future 50 registration. Some of the kids came in, they're very nice, very humble. Others came in and they're just, I'm not doing interviews, I'm not doing this and that. I'm like, you're, you're like, not, it's not even your turn. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, you're not, you're, you're nothing you're a 2019. Yeah. I talked to a kid, I won't, I won't name him. He was a 2019 kid, uh, recently decommitted. I said, so what schools have really been talking to you the most? He said, everybody. 
I said, where are you going to visit in the spring? He goes everywhere. And I go, okay, that's, that's the interview done. I, you know? Yeah, see you later. Don't no, need to and, see and you later. We can find Bye. out the information. I mean, it's not like we can't talk to sources, and it's not like we don't talk to people that are very, very close to every kid. I mean, we don't need them to run the story. We know what's going on because they'll just lie to you anyways. And nowadays, right. and I'm not here to to preach about you know because there's some kids that are just absolutely great, you know. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Through, the majority yeah, of them are. through every rep. And, but when I see, you know, I got a bunch of text messages after the Under Armour game and a lot more after the Army Bowl. These kids are complete punks. That's, that's what my friends are telling me, you know, that they're not recruiting fans. They just know what I do. So they tune into these games because there's no other football on, you know, and, or they're waiting to watch the uh, wild card game. They tune in and they see these kids acting like absolute buffoons and fools. You know, and the whole, whole, you know, JT Daniels slides and Tyreek Johnson, whatever his name is now, Johnson, is it Johnson? Johnson, Johnson Jones. Jones. You know, Johnson Jones, I think. He slides, so Johnson can't take his head off. And then he talks trash to JT Daniels and said, you're lucky, clearly on, on television, you're lucky I, I would have killed you. I would have ripped your head off. And they're jawing back and forth. And then Daniels throws a touchdown pass to St. Brown. This is all in one play. St. Brown takes off his helmet, runs down the field like a fool, uh, spins the ball and kicks it into the stands. JT Daniels runs down the field to try to celebrate with St. Brown, but he's headed the other way with no helmet. Uh, so then he talks smack to Tyreek Johnson, who gives him the double bird. And, and the double yeah. bird was on television, on the replay. I could see it. Everybody could see it. And it's like, you guys, I mean, listen. It happens in the NFL, and the reason all these celebrations are occurring is because they allowed celebrations in the NFL now. But the second they do this in college, it's going to be a 15-yard penalty, and they're going to get the talking to of their life. And then if they do it again, they're going to be sitting on the bench. So it sounds like get off my grass, I'm cranky old man, but I just don't like to see these guys that we start covering from ninth grade, sometimes eighth grade, um, handle themselves. And, and, and the opposite of that is Owen Popo. Um, Owen Popo, if you remember, has got offers as a seventh grader, right? And he's a linebacker out of Georgia who's in our top 20 for the 2019 class. And I was sort of dreading having to talk to him because I hadn't talked to him, I don't know, maybe two years. And, and when I did talk to him the last time, you know, he was getting his offers and he was in the grade and the grade and he was pretty full of himself. So I talked to him and he is matured and grown up and he is the most respectful, nicest kid ever. And he's got 50 offers. He has no reason to be respectfully nice. He was going to make his decision at the Under Armour game on television, the first junior to do so. He's choosing between Clemson and Georgia. Uh, he changed his mind. He decided to slow things down. But every question I asked him was a perfect answer. He was very respectful and very nice. And I'm like, this kid was created by this industry in seventh grade to be a monster. And he's matured his way into being a really good kid. Um, and I think that's the opposite of example of what we're talking about. And listen, we've all interviewed Amon Ra. He's not a bad kid at all. No, not at uh, all. And, and we've talked not to his dad. His dad telling us that he wanted to have a third kid named Thor. 
Uh, you know, his dad's <laughs> a funny guy. His dad handles these kids great. Equinemius is 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 awesome. Uh, his other brother Stanford's awesome. This kid's going to be a, a nice kid who's going to have no problems at USC. But he looked like a fool, and I don't think they understand that they look like a fool. But somebody needs to pull him aside, and I'm hopefully, you know, say Brown's dad did pull him aside and said, "Listen, you know, the whole the whole uh, marker down your eye and." Whatever that was, you know what I'm saying. The the the, the yeah the the, the, the eye black down your eye, so you look like you just got out of prison, and uh, and then spinning the ball and kicking it twice and doing all that other stuff, and just like leave it alone, you know. So, anyways, let's get off of that because we're just cranky. But I thought, yeah, you know, there was more talent at your game, but I was excited to be at the Under Armour game because. There are more kids that I hadn't been able to see or evaluate. So I think it certainly helps having each of us at different games. Although I miss you terribly. It was it was very sad in my hotel room, uh, you know, not being able to share, you know, drinks with Adam Gorney. If you've ever shared drinks with Adam Gorney, <laughs> you know a good time is about to be had after he has like three beers or something like that. And then he starts repeating himself over and over and over again. That happened one time in my life, and I'll never wow. live it down. It's pretty bad. I'm, I'm, I'm just mad I'm not in Orlando anymore because the smoked wings at that uh, sports bar at the Marriott high World velocity. Center, top high, notch. High, high velocity. Yeah, high velocity. We went there at least three times. Three times we went there. And you know what? Here's the new deal, too. You valet there at high velocity. You valet at the World Center. It's $35 for a day, right? Now, I oh didn't stay God. there, but I showed up twice, once for registration and once for future 50 registration. 35 bucks. Oh, you didn't stay there no, this year, No, because huh? the valet situation is if you don't call down for your car, you're sitting there for two and a half hours. Literally for two and a half hours, you're waiting for your car. And last year, I forgot to call down one day, and we sat there for two and a half hours waiting for our car. And I said, yeah, I'm never going to stay at this hotel ever again in my life. So I decided to stay... Plus, it's a beautiful mic, mic, but the one criticism is it's it's almost like a prison in there. Once you're in the place, it's out. you just yeah, can't get out. get out. Yeah. But it has everything. It has restaurants and all. You, you want to stay there. I ended up staying closer to the airport at a place where my AT&T cell service didn't work at all. I remember I called yeah. you and I was like, can you hear me? Is this call dropping? That was the whole week. So I stupidly, I stayed at a different hotel. But if you go to high velocity and eat there, your valet is five bucks instead of thirty bucks, thirty-five bucks. Wow, that's to yeah, eat those delicious wings. That's delicious legit. wings, and to sit and watch Rob Cassidy hang out and talk to strangers at the bar. I mean, you get like the whole ambiance of the. I would pay five. I would pay thirty-five dollars not to see that, though. <laughs> well, it's it's fun to watch. But let's get to this this little game that's going on tonight, uh, which you know I think. I think we're going to see Alabama be Alabama, and I think we're going to see Alabama win a national championship and play like angry Alabama. They are beat up, though. So what do you think? Yeah, they're they're beat up, and uh, first I'll go to the Vegas line. 60% of the bets are on Alabama, and the line is dropping, which makes me think Georgia's going to make this a game. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be kind of a just a three-and-out kind of game, back and forth. Alabama's beat up. I don't think Georgia's going to be able to move the ball on offense, though. Um, 
I, I, I have to think that Alabama is going to win the game. I, you know, Georgia just feels like a year away, maybe two years away, maybe never to get there, maybe to always be second place to Alabama in the SEC. Um, you know, but the way Alabama played against Clemson uh, just reinforces that, you know, they're going to see the kind of same thing tonight with Georgia. If Georgia can mix it up a little bit and maybe outspeed them to the edge, they could stay in the game. I just think Alabama is going to grind them down. It's going to be close probably for two and a half quarters. And then I'm predicting kind of a 24-7 Alabama yeah, kind of game. So too. I, because the way to beat Alabama is everybody feels the way to beat Alabama is to spread them out and have a, a you know an athletic quarterback. And Jay Crom's not a runner. He's a good quarterback, obviously. It's amazing what he's done as a true freshman. They don't have the wide receivers. They've got Godwin and Hardman, but those aren't like – those aren't guys that consistently get open. I think they're going to have to do a lot of misdirection. I think they're going to have to run, you know, a few trick plays here and there, maybe a couple double reverses or, or jet sweeps or something with those tiny, fast guys instead of just try to run Chubb and Michelle. And it's not like Chubb and Michelle just run up the middle every time. They can run off tackle for right. sure. Uh, the Wildcat play was off tackle that one you know, the game against Oklahoma and they have speed, but I, I just think Alabama's ticked off that they lost to Auburn. They're ticked off. They didn't win it all last year. They're ticked off that they're number four. And a lot of people think they don't belong there. And when they're ticked off, I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. I don't know about 24 to seven. I think it might be closer than that. I think it might be like a 24 to 14 type of game, maybe even 20 to, um, um, but I got Alabama. What time does the game start? Like eight thirty or something? Yeah, let me look. Uh, out here, Pacific, you don't really have to worry about that. That's the thing I also noticed in San Antonio. That just when I lived on the East Coast, I never knew the difference. But I'll tell you what, sports really sucks in the East and in the, and in the I mean, Midwest. Watching, watching the Alabama I mean, Clemson game, I was up till what one thirty in the morning. Yeah, and in California, it'd right. be 10.30, and you'd have your nightcap, and you'd right. go right and to I'm sleep. and I'm old as dirt, and 1.30 destroys me. Yeah, yeah, 8 o'clock Eastern, o'clock, so like you, you're not going to get to yeah, sleep no, anytime. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll be in bed by 1.30 again. Yeah, yeah. But it'll be interesting because Alabama is a little beat up. Minka, we'll see. I mean, he has that. He's probable. He's listed as probable, but Lester Cotton's out. Anthony Jennings is out. You know, it'll be interesting to see um, exactly what kind of team they they come with tonight. Jeremy Pruitt obviously has his mind in two different places. Um, you know, Georgia coming back against Oklahoma the way they did, they're probably on the on the upswing. Alabama feels comfortable after beating Clemson the way they did. Uh, does does beating Clemson make them feel really good coming into tonight's game after losing to them in the national championship? There are there are some sort of like uh, you know mind games that Georgia would be the team with no pressure tonight, and Alabama has all the pressure. So. Uh, Georgia could keep it close. The way that the the sharp betters are betting this game is Georgia. So um, we'll see. But I, you know, you just look at Alabama. It, it's tough to beat Alabama. <laughs> yeah, every week I I do my own picks, and then I ask my wife who she's picking. And every time she comes to Alabama, she doesn't even need to know who the opponent is. She just picks Bama. And <laughs> you know, against the spread or straight up, she's probably ninety percent because you can't go wrong betting Bama. So. That's my pick right. tonight, and we'll see. And I think Jalen Hurts being the running quarterback is really going to help quite a bit because, um, 
I, I don't think he's an accomplished passer yet. He's improved from year one to year two. Um, but, uh, you know, he's certainly going to have more success than Bryant uh, because he can do a lot more, I think, while he's on the run. Like, he's a threat to throw the ball outside the pocket, whereas Bryant was not. Um, and once Bryant started running, you could sort of key on him and chase him down. And I, I think Hertz is a guy that, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield is difficult to game plan for. Georgia did a good job, but he still tore him up. I mean, he just absolutely torched him in the first half. And, uh, you know, I'm not comparing Hurts to Mayfield. I'm just saying that that defense has some susceptibilities, if that's such a word. And I do like betting on the mobile quarterback. Um, plus, they got some pretty good running backs that we don't even talk about at Alabama. I mean, Damian Harris is fun to watch, and Bo Scarborough will wear you down. So just a lot of weapons there. And uh, we actually had a Deshaun Hand sighting in the Clemson game, and maybe we'll have another Deshaun Hand sighting soon. Maybe he'll actually come in and, uh, I don't know, have a good game. And yeah, and yeah. Uh, Yeah, he was in the Clemson game, very active, uh, former number one player. Had a sack, Um, had a quarterback pressure. Still a bust. We were talking about this in San Antonio a little bit at the Yard House where the chopped salad at the Yard House is just so good. I mean, it's like the best thing that they have on their whole menu. I don't know what it's um, But that how, you know, a guy like, um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, who <clears throat> had struggled at times when I had seen him in high school. I wasn't like in love with the kid, um, but has become such a phenomenal player. <laughs> and then, you know, that's what Nick Saban can do. And then Deshaun Hand, who was such a phenomenal player in high school, uh, has really not gained any traction at Alabama. Um, you know, I, I, maybe that's what Nick Saban can I do I, too. I blame uh, engineering. Well, yeah, you know, I, I heard too. he wanted to study engineering, and I know how serious a kid he was, and you know how much academics meant to him. I'm like, I've never met anybody who became a great football player who was also an engineer. You're either, you know, building bridges and you know spaceships and whatever engineers do. Or you're kicking ass in football. You have no I, idea what I have engineers no idea what an do, engineer do does. I think they build bridges, right? Don't they? Well, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't think they actually build design. them. I think they right. design so them. That's close enough. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a that's an entire conversation for another day about how football coaches want their players in general studies so they don't have to do anything and they could focus only on football. But well, let's not go there. Well, every kid who takes a serious major, we should drop a star. Because <laughs> you can't do both. You just can't. I mean, Myron Roll was a five-star kid. He ended up being a tremendous academic, and he won some prestigious award in England or something like that. And now he's a neurosurgeon, and but he was a very average football player for Florida State and never made it in the pros. Here's my take on all this, Mike. And, you know, this could be my millennial approach, even though I'm not even a millennial is that don't you think a, a player should be able to to major in football? Uh, it, he's making a life choice that he wants to pursue football as a career. Uh, and that could you could see that as critical, just as you could see someone being critical for taking French or as acting, their major. Drama. Or, or acting or, yeah, or, you know, whatever the, the incredibly dumb majors people take uh, in college – uh, why why those aren't criticized, but if someone wants to pursue an a- athletics, and that's the bias in this country. You know, everybody thinks, you know, people that play sports are dumb and football players are jocks and goons and all this kind of stuff. Uh, 
But if you want to pursue athletics as your profession, you're seen as an idiot. But if you want to pursue, uh, you know, the cello as a profession, you're seen as a genius. Well, this is a great segue into Josh Rosen and the quarterbacks that have declared for the draft because Josh Rosen said it's impossible to be a student athlete in college. It's just impossible. And Josh Rosen speaks the truth and speaks for all of us, as we know, you know, um, because he's the smartest person that we've ever covered and really a very fun kid. I mean, when you put a hot tub in your room in your freshman year, you, you know, (laughs) you you know, you you got something going on. Um, But, you know, I, I still think Rosen's number one. I don't know who number two is. I mean, I know it's not Josh Allen, but that doesn't mean Josh Allen won't be picked number two. I think the wild cards here are Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Where do you take those guys? Yeah, I think there's a very good chance that this draft class has been incredibly overhyped because after one, you're just like, yeah, I don't know who fits in the NFL. Lamar Jackson is an incredible athlete, but can he do that at the NFL level? Baker Mayfield, um, you know, can, can do a whole lot of things and really, doesn't run as much as some people might think he does in their own mind. And he can, you know, he's an incredible competitor, but can he do that at maybe, maybe six feet tall? Uh, Sam Darnold is a turnover machine, but Deshaun Watson was too. Can that be solved? Um, I don't think Sam Darnold's nearly as good as Deshaun Watson was at Clemson. Josh Allen, I just don't get. I mean, I, I understand he's not throwing to anybody at Wyoming, and so he could be. Carson Wentz at North Dakota State, who didn't put up huge numbers, and everyone was kind of shaking their head why everyone is so in love with him. And but I, I think he's kind of everyone wants to find the next Carson Wentz, and so they've put their money on Josh Allen. There, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, the 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 draft class quarterback. It's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out because as part of take two this week, it's going to be a topic. Um, Will Josh Rosen go to the combine? Is it still in Indianapolis? Aren't they moving it to I, LA? Uh, or is, I, I, I don't know. Can Can Josh Rosen go there? And and if he gives you know the pat answers to everybody, is he then a phony for not answering honestly, or is he going to go there and try to act smarter than all the GMs that he meets? Uh, is that going to turn people off? Will they accept it? Will he beat? Will he pull an Eli Manning and say? To the Cleveland Browns, he won't go and play for them if he's the number yes, one he pick. Yes, he would do uh, that. He won't give the pat answers. He'll give his true, honest answers, and it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I think uh, this Lamar Jackson question is probably the, the the better one though, because I see I see the potential for a Randall Cunningham there, but yeah. I don't know. Like he doesn't throw the deep ball like Randall Cunningham did, as far as accuracy is concerned. Randall Cunningham was a great athlete. They didn't let him run a lot in Philadelphia, but he's built like him. He's probably more athletic. He could be that guy, or he could just turn out to be a guy who's a complete bust, and you end up making him a wide receiver after a year. I I don't see that. I don't see uh, Braxton Miller there. I see like a, a Randall Cunningham is a good comparison. A smaller, more athletic Cam Newton, I think, might be a good comparison. Uh, you know, a guy, uh, if he goes to the right system where they can, they can, you can run a quarterback in the NFL as long as he gets down and he knows when to get down and not take hits because he is incredibly athletic. I mean, super athletic. So it's going to be, 
you know, if he, you know, he might only have a three-year career if he's getting, if he's taking shots in the NFL, but I don't see him as a guy that's going to have to switch positions. He does not throw the deep ball well, and he's not always accurate. Um, but he is such a dynamic athlete. You, you think he's going to fit. He's either going to be Randall Cunningham or he's going to be RG three. And I don't think there's a lot of in between there. And I don't, I don't, if you, if you draft Cam Newton with Lamar Jackson, are you happy? Because I think Cam Newton is one of the most overrated players in all of the NFL. Well, he did lead the Panthers to Once. a Super Bowl. He had one good year. He had one good yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly, yes, he is overrated. And I can't stand how uh, he always complains about getting hit and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think, yes, I think if a team in the top 15 drafts Lamar Jackson and he turns out to be as good or slightly worse but more athletic than than Cam Newton, I think, think they're thrilled. Is Cam Newton a top – is he a yeah, top 15 quarterback in the NFL? Did you see the quarterbacks that start in the <laughs> NFL? I have. <laughs> he's a no, top he's five not quarterback. Top five, not even close to a top five. No, he's not. But uh, top 15, absolutely, yes. He is definitely I mean, a top you know, 15. there's 32 teams, so I'm being – is he a top 10? Okay, let's go down the list here. Uh, who would you take ahead of him? You'd take Breeze. I'm thinking from uh, yesterday's games. Breeze. Well, listen. Let's start at the t- start at the top. You take Tom Brady. You take Brady. You take Aaron Rodgers. Right. Okay. Yes. Um, you take Breeze. I don't know if he's number three or not, but you take Matt Ryan. So there's four, right? Yes. Uh, yes. You, you take. You take Ben Roethlisberger. There's five. And then you take probably Andrew Luck, a healthy Andrew Luck. Uh, yeah, that's six. So then you get into the minutia of is Cam Newton better than Carson Wentz? Is he better than Russell Wilson? Is he better, is he than, better than Matt Stafford? Sean Watson, who's only had one year yeah. and it was a half a year. Yeah, that's a good question. Jer- I mean, is he, he is in that, Goff? yeah. Yes, he's All better right. than Jared Goff, and J- Jared Goff's not there yet. Is he better than Dak Prescott? Is he better than Kirk Cousins? Is he better than um, Philip Rivers? Is he better than Eli Manning? Is he better I, than... I honestly don't think he's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. I wow. just don't. Well, you can make an argument, certainly, but, uh, you know, if... if Yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm looking down the list here. Is he better than Marcus Mariota? Yeah, I think uh, he is. I think he's better than Winston. I think he's better than those two guys. Yeah, definitely. Well, definitely. Yeah, but th- those two guys from that class, I think you could say he's better than them. Yeah. I think he's better than Andy Dalton. He's obviously better than Case Keenum and Blake Bortles and guys like that. You're, but you're into the the real garbage of the league at that point in time. I would. Yeah. I don't think he's better than Eli Manning. Now, I'm talking. Yeah, he's yeah he's a mid level quarterback. Yeah. Like Eli Manning overall, like career versus career, I would take Eli Manning. Stafford's the tough one because they've never really won anything. You know what I'm saying? But Kirk Cousins and Stafford, are they better than Cam Newton? Now, everybody will say this is ridiculous. Cam Newton, of course he's better than these guys. He should be a top 10 quarterback, and he should be pushing for the top five. I just don't don't see it. I think he's having one good year. And so if Lamar Jackson's Cam Newton, uh, yeah, I guess you're happy because you found your starter. But Cam Newton is what we call a fantasy football killer. 
He's one of those guys that if he's your number one quarterback, you're screwed and you're never winning your league because he'll put up right. great numbers one week and then crap numbers the next week. And watching that game yesterday, he was just off. And I know they were saying his shoulder was a problem and then his, his face mask or whatever, his visor was pushing into his head or whatever. <laughs> I just think he's had one lucky good year and the rest of that is, is just garbage. I have no idea how we got into the Cam Newton discussion. He was a two-time five-star on Rivals, so I should be pushing for Cam Newton to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. But Lamar Jackson, it'd be, he'd, if he's Cam Newton, I don't think you're happy. Uh, I think the Panthers have a problem. And, and I know that sounds crazy, but they're stuck with their franchise quarterback who's never going to take them even close to back to the Super Bowl again. So that's my take on that. Could be. Do we want to talk Arizona and then wrap this up? We're we're, we're dragging. No, here. we are dragging Arizona job. Who do you think is going to get it? Should they take someone? Uh, I, I don't see any reason why you. I wouldn't. mean, you got to take somebody um, who's who can run a program. Someone who's done it before. You can't take an assistant and put him into that position. Um, you've got some talent on that team. That team is talented. They have some young yeah. defensive talent. When I was doing the freshman fifteen, I was looking up a lot of players and I found a whole bunch of Arizona young true freshmen on that defense that are very, very good football players. Uh, and that doesn't even mention Khalil Tate, you know, who obviously next year is going to yeah. be in the Heisman discussion. Whoever gets that job is definitely getting a sleeper young team that could do some things. So it could be someone who else has been mentioned Les miles, Les miles wouldn't do anything there. It'd, ru- it'd ruin yeah, Khalil no, Tate. I don't think he'd it'd do destroy anything, Khalil Tate. Yeah, and then they're talking about some offensive coordinators. Bo Baldwin at Cal, who was in discussions with Oregon State. And then Jed Fish, uh, who left Michigan for one year under in the Jim Mora era uh, as, it, as it whittled down at UCLA. I think those are some of the names. Marcel Yates is another interesting name. Buki had tweeted that uh, he, would go, he, he would seriously consider Arizona if Marcel Yates uh, the defensive coordinator uh, at Arizona got the job. That's no reason to hire anybody. I would go Sumlin. I would push Sumlin, and here's the reason, because he can out-recruit like hell Herm Edwards uh, and get all that in-state talent if that those kids stay home. If those kids all stayed home, if Christian Kirk and Kyle Allen and down the line of those kids Mark stayed Andrews. home, uh, yeah, Mark Andrews, Arizona or Arizona State could be you know, one of those sleeper teams that here and there pop up and could compete for Pac-12 divisional championships. But all those kids leave. Uh, Nikhil Harry stayed at Arizona State. He's been great. And so you have to keep those kids home. And I think Kevin Sumlin would have a much better chance uh, than one of these assistants or less miles walking into a living room. Yeah, and, uh, I still don't think even if they hire Kevin Sumlin that they're going to keep the kids in the state of Arizona. I, I just don't see that happening, especially with Jimbo yeah. at Texas A&M and uh, you know, Lincoln Riley and some of the pipelines that have been, you know, sort of made. I know Kyle Allen didn't stay at A&M, but uh, A&M seems like a much better option for Arizona kids than Arizona State or Arizona right now. So, but we'll wrap it up. I don't know how we got into the Cam Newton minutia, but we should do that more often because I love saying guys stink that don't really stink because it gets people very, very upset. Very <laughs> upset. Not that anybody listens to this crap. 
we're 55 minutes in. If there's anybody still listening, I'd be amazed. But another amazing podcast by Godfather and Gorney. Without Dave Barry, by the way. We're slacker, back. Slacker. Cutting video from Army Bull. Come on. Please. Like I know. You know, Get with like it. he's got a lot of video to cut. We know he's. This is the varsity game here at the podcast. This is what matters. He's at Disneyland with his kids. We know it. He was away from the kids <laughs> for a week. They all complained, so he's taking to Disneyland to shut them up. We know. You and I are working. We're working hard. All right, let's let's exactly let's wrap it up. And we're definitely not doing one later this week because there's nothing to talk about. Actually, there's a game to talk about. We might do one later this week. Nah, we could we could wait until Monday. Let's let's collect our thoughts through the week and then come back well, we'll next see. week. We'll play it by ear, but keep cheap refreshing the page every two seconds on Rivals.com. Follow Adam Gorney. What's your Twitter Twitter handle? At Adam oh, Gorney. And follow me at Rivals Mike. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to get to 150,000, and I'm at 116,000. So I need what? How many? 34,000. 34,000 in the next like week so follow me if you're listening to this and that's it we'll wrap it up take care Gorns have fun out there have fun moving see ya